Let us pray. Almighty and most gracious Father, we thank You for bringing us here together once more. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You watch over us continually as a shepherd watches over his flock. Continually, Lord, call to us that we would respond and draw near to You. Continually defend us and guard us from our enemies. And continually, Lord, lay hold of us and turn us away from those things which would do us harm. That we might know the fullness of Your redemption and the fullness of Your salvation throughout our days. All of this we do ask through that One who is the true Shepherd of us all, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As you can guess from many of our readings today, we're hearing about the Shepherd, the true Shepherd, the Good Shepherd this day. Every year when we come to this fourth Sunday of Easter, that is the theme of this Sunday, is the Good Shepherd. To reflect and recognize how Jesus' work is that for us as a shepherd does for His sheep. That a shepherd will do everything to defend his sheep, to care for them, to protect them. A few years ago, there was a video that came out of a shepherd stuck in a crevice. And the shepherd, or the sheep stuck in a crevice, not a shepherd, a sheep stuck in a crevice. And the shepherd came up and grabbed it by its legs and pulled it out. Not very comfortably, I might add. It didn't look. It just yanked it up out of that crevice. And the sheep was so excited, he started hopping around and hopping around. And then, poof! Jumped head first straight back into that crevice further down the road. So the video just starts over, but I imagine that the shepherd then just walked down the street, grabbed the sheep by its legs, and yanked it back out just to watch it probably hop along and fall back into that crevice because he wouldn't get away from the crevice. He kept jumping along the crevice. It's quite a humorous video to watch, but it's very reminiscent of us, is it not? That we're dancing around a dangerous place in our lives. We have the Lord warning us. We have people warning us to turn away and to leave that thing, but we keep toying with it. And before we know it, we're stuck in the crevice. We fall into the ditch and we find ourselves harmed and stuck and trapped, unable to move. But then the shepherd comes along and he removes us from that crevice. It's not always painless when He removes us from that crevice because sometimes we're stuck in there pretty tight like that sheep was in the video. And He has to give us a good yank to pull us out. It's not always comfortable getting removed from the situations we find ourselves in. But that is what the Lord will do. There's a time in my life where I remember being about five years old. Five or six. And I remember my dad always telling me, don't wear the seatbelt in the car. Now this is back in the 80s and so no one really ever wore seatbelts. But in our car especially, you didn't wear the seatbelts because they were prone to lock up. They were prone to get stuck. When you buckled them, they would not unbuckle. They, I don't know what was wrong with these seatbelts, especially in the back seat. But you weren't supposed to buckle them. I've been warned and warned and warned not to do that. And I'm guessing you can see where this story's about to go. 
My brothers one day dared me to buckle the seatbelt. And guess what I did? And then I was stuck. And they were laughing about it, but then I really started getting a little freaked out because I couldn't get out. I was stuck. I couldn't undo the seatbelt. They tried to help, and it wouldn't get undone. So they had to go get my dad, who was not very pleased at me doing what I did, but also not very pleased at my brothers for doing what they did and daring me to do that. And what did he do? He comes carrying a rather large hammer and a very large flathead screwdriver. At which point, I'm like, what is he about to do? And he jams it into the seatbelt and just whacks it. And of course, the seatbelt's laying right across my hips. So let's just say that was not very comfortable for me when he whacked that seatbelt to break the entire buckle open so that it would release the strap. But that was the only way to do it. Because he had tried to fiddle with it and mess with it before and it would not undo itself. And so it had to be broken while I was wearing it. And so in that moment, I experienced some uncomfortableness because of my stupidity, because of my waywardness, because of my giving in to someone deceiving me, that someone being my brother's. And so just as that shepherd in that first video that I mentioned pulled the sheep up out of that ditch, out of that crevice, my dad came and broke the seatbelt so that I could be free. Likewise, Jesus comes to us to remove us from those dangerous situations we are in because He is the shepherd who cares for us. He is the shepherd who cares for us as whole persons. So much so that He desires not only to remove us from sin, but to go on and give us that new kind of life that will lead us away from that sin. And this is what we hear about in John 10 and Psalm 23, is this good shepherd who cares for the sheep, who removes his people from the dangers that they are in. And the first thing that we are going to hear about is the shepherd who calls us. There in those first few verses of John chapter 10, we hear of that beautiful picture of, the, of Jesus telling us, that the shepherd can call out his sheep by name when they're in the midst of a massive sheepfold full of other sheep and they will hear his voice and come to him. But one thing to realize about this chapter 10 is that it follows up immediately on chapter 9 of the Gospel of St. John. And what happened in chapter 9? Chapter 9 is a chapter where Jesus heals the blind man. The man who is not just blind, but the man who had been born blind. He performed a miracle that no one had ever seen in the history of the world, taking someone who was utterly and totally incapable of seeing, who had never seen a thing in his life, and healed his eyes so that he could see for the first time. And he did it in such a way that the man never saw Jesus. Jesus merely spoke to him. Jesus merely made up some mud and placed it upon his eyes, anointing them and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man never saw Jesus. But when he washed, he could see. And then he went through all the rigmarole with the Pharisees trying to figure out who he was and who healed him and why he was healed and why it was done on the Sabbath and eventually throwing him out when he keeps speaking of Jesus. He keeps saying, Jesus is the one who did this. Jesus is the one who is doing the things that y'all have talked about the Messiah doing. And he even asked them, when they go back and ask him, who opened your eyes? And he's like, I've told you. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to come and be his disciple too? This man had made, or he was beginning to make a commitment, having never seen Jesus, but only heard a few words from his mouth that he would follow Jesus. And at that point, they cast him out. 
of the synagogue. And Jesus went to him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And who is He, sir, that I may believe? And Jesus said to him, You have seen Him, and it is He who is speaking to you. And so He says, Lord, I believe. The blind man was brought into Jesus' presence by seeing Him and hearing Him. But then Jesus turns to the Pharisees and tells them that He has come to judge the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. That those who think that they are capable of seeing will become blind to the reality of the problems that they have. And the Pharisees picking up on that word said, Are we blind? He says, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. That they claim to know and understand the Word of God. That they claim to understand Scripture better than Jesus. And because they claim that they can see and understand, they are guilty of rejecting the very one that those Scriptures point to. That those Scriptures all point to Jesus as the Messiah. But they refuse to see it and so their guilt remains. And so Jesus now turns to the people and starts speaking of a shepherd who calls out and the sheep respond. The sheep hear. I think it's pretty appropriate that you have a passage about seeing and coming to see Jesus for who He is. And then Jesus immediately turns and starts talking about hearing Jesus for who He is. Back to back, John puts these two narratives together. Jesus speaks of being able to see Him in chapter 9 and in chapter 10 He begins speaking about being able to hear Him and respond to Him, to know the Master's voice. And what does that voice call us to? It calls us to Himself. It calls us away from the other sheep. It calls us away from that large sheep pen that these sheep would be lodging in overnight. And the shepherd comes that morning and he cries out to each of his sheep by name. And they begin coming out from amongst all the other sheep and they will follow him. And he will lead them by his voice. They don't respond to the stranger. They will flee from him. But they do not know that voice. But what? how does sheep come to know the voice of their shepherd? They must be taught. They must be trained. They must hear the voice of their shepherd over and over and over so that they can continually be drawn to Him. And that is what Jesus does with His very Word. He calls us to Himself over and over and over again. He speaks our name through this very Word. His Spirit acts through Scripture itself. Wherever God's truth is being proclaimed, God is speaking through that truth. And likewise, in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd and I can lack nothing. He shall feed me in green pastures and lead me forth beside the waters of comfort. The shepherd who calls us then guides us and cares for us. He gives us what we need. He provides for us. For that is the feeding in green pastures, the laying down in green pastures. The resting in green pastures. He calls us to rest and to feeding and He leads us beside the waters of comfort. Or as other translations say, those still waters. Because sheep are scared of moving water. They don't care for water that they can see moving. And so the shepherd leads his sheep to pools of water that are comfortable, that are still and makes them to rest there in the midst of them. 
And there they are trained to understand who He is. And what do these waters of comfort do? What does this green pasture that the sheep rest in do? It refreshes our souls. But it doesn't just refresh. It restores. And in fact, that word for restore and refresh in the Hebrew is the regular Hebrew word for repent, for turning. That it has this broad meaning as one repents, one is restored. As one turns, one is refreshed by that which they turn to. And seeing that that refreshing of our souls, that restoration of our soul is a repenting of our souls. is a shepherd turning our souls away from our nothingness and to the great abundance that He is bringing to us. He trains us to understand Him. And He makes us to rest beside those still waters, those waters of comfort that immediately direct my eyes and so many in this early church to the waters of baptism. That there in those waters of baptism is found that refreshment, is found that restoration, is found that repentance that is placed upon those who are baptized. Those who are drawn into the kingdom through that water. Through that water that is connected to the voice of Jesus, that is connected to His Word given to us, that our souls would be refreshed. And then we would be led forth in His righteous paths. That we would be walking through those paths following Him as He calls us down those paths of righteousness, His righteousness that He places upon us through baptism, that He calls us to trust and to believe in, in order that we would be restored, that we would be refreshed and made new. So He leads us to those still waters of baptism where we might be washed clean, that we might be restored into the kind of people that He desires us to be. Not just removing the sin from us, but giving us new life through those very waters that we would be refreshed and made new once more. But even more so, as He is the shepherd who calls us, He is also the shepherd that we have to go through. That it's not just a willy-nilly way of salvation, but it is a particular shepherd that we walk through, that we go through. For He goes on to say when the people don't understand this idea of calling and following and recognizing the voice of their shepherd, He says, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are robbers and thieves, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. He who enters by me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door through which we go through, through which the shepherd even must enter. That this is about more than just Jesus as the Good Shepherd. This is about all those who would lead the people of God. That they, the under-shepherds, must walk through Jesus to get to the sheep. They must respond to Jesus. They must go through to Him. For He stands as the gate to keep out the evildoers, to keep out the wicked ones, to keep out the enemies of His sheep. And so even I must walk through that door who is Jesus as His under-shepherd. That if I desire to be that under-shepherd, I must know who Jesus is. So I must be one who knows the voice of Jesus. I must be one who has responded to His call. I must be one who has been restored and refreshed through those waters of baptism, continually over and over looking back to that moment as that time that Jesus claimed me as His own. That time where He began training me to know His voice, that I would be brought up and more and more directed to His Word to know Him more and more deeply, to know that sustenance that He would provide for me. And as the shepherd would go through that very gate to get to the sheep, he can then bring his sheep out through that very gate that 
that gate who is Jesus, that door who is Jesus is the protector. And as they go through Him, they find pasture. They find sustenance. They find that place of comfort. That place of restoration. They go out into that pasture to find life. Jesus is that very door that each and every one of us must walk through. That if we are to be His sheep, we must go through Him as the door. Him as the way of salvation. Him as the one who has died and been raised again. Dealing with that which would assault us from outside, those enemies that are on the outside, but also becoming the one who turns us away from those dangers that we seek out, that we chase after, that we pursue as sinners. That as wayward sheep will wander and find crevices to fall into, He as the shepherd will pull us out. And those under-shepherds who are with Him will come and help each and every one of the sheep to help them turn away from those dangers that could lead them away from Him. But all of them must walk through that door who is Jesus, that one who is the true and great shepherd who speaks through His under-shepherds, who calls to His sheep through all the shepherds that He raises up to take care of His sheep. And so He is the shepherd that we must go through. And we hear of that also in Psalm 23 as we hear of the walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. As I am going out through this world, as I am going out, the sheep go out, they are to fear no evil, though they are in the shadow of death. Though death is something that is a constant that is upon them that will come and strip them down and take away their lives, though death is all around. The psalmist says, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You, the good shepherd, O Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As the good shepherd goes with us, as him being the gate that we walk through, he continues with us. He walks alongside us in order to bring us comfort in the midst of all the dangers all around us of being in that valley of the shadow of death of continually looking forward and seeing our mortality that is caused by the sin that is in this world. That the shadow of death is upon us all. But we fear not the evil that death can bring upon us because our Good Shepherd, the Lord, is with us. He walks alongside us. He leads us and pursues us and pushes us forward and calls us forward. His rod and His staff, they comfort us. Think of those two devices, those two items that the shepherd carries, the rod and the staff. One description I saw of the rod was that it's like a blunt instrument. It's like a small billy club, a bat-like object that the shepherd would use to beat away wolves, to beat away enemies, to knock away those animals that would try to harm the sheep. And he would take that club and go after them and beat them to knock them away from the sheep. And so the club was a weapon of defense, a weapon of protection, a weapon of removing enemies from the sheep. And so that rod brings us comfort. For it is the weapon that the shepherd uses to protect his sheep from enemies. The shepherd must go forward and guard the sheep to keep dangers away from them, to keep those outside dangers from coming to them. But also the staff 
which if you've been here, when the bishop comes, he brings his shepherd's crook. He brings his bishop's staff, which is a form of shepherd's crook. A long stick with a nice little curled hook on the end. And that hook is for the shepherds to use, to grab hold of the sheep, to pull them back. It's a weapon of protection as well. Because he uses it to keep the sheep from pursuing dangers around them. That they could be straying from the flock and he would use that to knock them back into place, to lay, grab hold of them by the neck and pull them into the flock to keep them from straying away. The rod fights off those who would do his harm. The staff fights us. The staff is the shepherd's way of bringing our wayward ways back into the flock, of taking wayward sheep and bringing them away from the dangers that they would follow after, that they would pursue. It keeps us from entering harm. They both protect us. One protects us from outward enemies and the other protects us from that inward enemy, ourselves. Myself, yourself. We would turn from the Lord and we would abandon the flock if not for Him continually bringing us to Himself, pulling us back, calling to us and using His staff to push us back into place. It's not always comfortable when the Lord does that, when He takes His staff and drives us back into the flock and keeps us in the flock no matter how much we try to break away. He will push us back into that flock and we will receive it. We are called to receive it. We are called to hear His voice. We are called to respond to His pushing us back into the flock, to His cleansing us, to His bringing us restoration, to His bringing us sustenance and His care upon us. And thus, we should not be afraid of the world around us. We should not be afraid of those around us. For the Lord is with us. He will defend us from the evil that would assault us from outside and He will defend us from the evil that assaults us from the inside with both His rod and His staff to protect us, to guide us, to guard us, to defend us. He desires to watch over us and lead us forward, calling us continually to Himself. And finally, we hear of the shepherd who gives life. The shepherd who gives life. In verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. It's almost an inclusio. Almost a point of reference to remember what Jesus said at the beginning where He said that the thief enters by another way. The one who does not come through the door but climbs over is a thief and a robber. And that thief and the robber who climbs over, who enters a different way than through the door, who is Jesus, He comes to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to harm the sheep. He wants to extract whatever He can from the sheep. He wants to come and get His sustenance off of the sheep. But the true Good Shepherd comes through the door. And that true Good Shepherd is ultimately Jesus who comes according to the right path, according to the right way, who walks a righteous path in order that the sheep would know who He is. And He comes to give life. But not just life, but an abundant life, a renewed life, an eternal life. The shepherd, the one who enters by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. And thus the shepherd comes to bring goodness 
to bring mercy, to bring compassion, to bring restoration, to bring refreshment to His sheep. And so He will lead them forward into new life. He will lead them forward into an abundant kind of life, leading and guiding them away from the harm that the thief would bring to them. The thief who would kill and steal and destroy the sheep. But we must continually look to Jesus and hear His voice over and over, letting Him ever more increase our faith as we reflect on our baptisms, as we look back and remember our baptisms this day as we see James being baptized and remembering the Lord's promises to redeem and to save. Remembering that in that moment the Lord has claimed us That in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the one who is baptized becomes someone who is owned by God. In that moment, that person becomes a sheep to be trained and taught to listen for the Lord's voice, to listen for the Good Shepherd's voice, that they might hear it and they might receive it and that they might follow it. That is how we come to know the life, the abundant life, that then the path will be put forward for us to follow after that abundant life. And we hear about that also in Psalm 23. There in verse 5 and 6, the psalmist says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. We are given the sustenance and the food that we need to live. But what is another table that is prepared before us every single week? It is the Lord's table. Coming to the Lord's Supper, coming to receive through that bread and wine the body and blood of our Good Shepherd Jesus. That is the table that is being alluded to that becomes part of the fulfillment of this psalm, of that great feast in the future, of that new life being poured into us, that abundant life. It's not just a life to survive until death, but a life to survive and thrive into eternity that is poured into us and given to us through this table that is prepared in the presence of all those who would reject Christ. That even in the presence of those who do not want Christ, Jesus comes to those who do want Him. He comes to those who are His own. And He feeds them with His very life to restore us and to make us new. And through that feeding, He anoints us. He pours His Spirit upon us for the Spirit brings Jesus to us. As Jesus comes, the Spirit comes with Him. And so we become anointed with oil and with the Spirit to be renewed. So much so that we will become those vessels that overflow through whom the Spirit comes to reach out to others, to whom the Spirit will actively work through to bring others to Himself. The shepherd who gives us life, gives us Himself, and gives us His Spirit to bring us into the provision He has for us, to bring us into His care, to bring us into that refreshment and that restoration. And the Spirit and the shepherd who gives us life will follow us. All the days of our lives. Surely your goodness, O Lord, and your mercy, O Lord, shall follow me. But it's not just a gentle following. It's a moment where I wish we could update our English translations and with the, a better hint, rendering into English. That that word behind follow is really a word that has a much harsher sense to it, is a sense of pursuing, of chasing after of overtaking someone. That it's not just goodness and mercy happily following along behind us, but it's goodness and mercy, the Lord's goodness and mercy, the Lord Himself who is pursuing us all the days of our lives. 
in order that we would dwell in the house of the Lord. This Lord who gives us life, this shepherd who gives us life, who feeds us with himself and pours his spirit upon us, pursues us and chases after us so that he can overtake us. He calls to us in that pursuit in order to overtake us and bring us to himself and capture us to bring us into the kingdom. For he has claimed us as his own and he will chase after us and call forward to us. So may we receive that always, receive that truth that He is the Good Shepherd who cares for us. And that He cares for us so much that He brings us an abundant new life. That we would see the new life He gives to us. That new life that begins in baptism and follows forward through those waters of comfort to being trained to know and understand and hear the call of our Savior. That we would continually turn to Him more and more and then receive from Him that new life through receiving His body and His blood in the sacrament, through being anointed with His Holy Spirit to be made new in that life. And He does it all because He cares for us as the shepherd. He cares for you, and He cares for me as well. This Jesus will lift us up and take us from that which would harm us from our enemies and from ourselves and give us that new life that we would then be His sheep that answer His voice that respond and follow Him even as He pursues us, that we would continually follow after Him. And may we be those sheep always in our lives to hear and to follow and to know Him as our shepherd and overseer of our souls. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.